that's the thing is people with ADHD, we understand the struggle. Like we know that everybody with ADHD is struggling. And that is the dialogue out there in the news. They're talking about all the negative symptoms with ADHD. And we've heard that since we were born, how difficult we are for having ADHD, that it's a podcast like yours where we're talking about some of the other sides of ADHD. That's the part that needs to be heard. Hello and welcome to the Women and ADHD podcast. I'm your host, Katie Weber. I was diagnosed with ADHD at the age of 45, and it completely turned my world upside down. I've been looking back at so much of my life, school, jobs, my relationships, all of it with this new lens, and it has been nothing short of overwhelming. I quickly discovered I was not the only woman to have this experience, and now I interview other women who, like me, discovered in adulthood they have ADHD and are finally feeling like they understand who they are and how to best lean into their strengths, both professionally and personally. So before we get started, I'm excited to share with you that this week marks two years since I launched this podcast. Two years ago, I had just been diagnosed with ADHD and I was looking over my whole life through this new lens. And I found the experience to be so profound, so life-changing. For the first time, I felt like I had an explanation for so many seemingly random struggles that I had encountered over the course of my life. I was just blown away, researching as much as I could, and I just wanted to know if there were other women out there who felt the same way after their ADHD diagnosis. So I decided to start a podcast in order to have an excuse to reach out to women and hear their stories. At the time, I never dreamt these interviews would resonate with so many listeners from around the world. The podcast has been downloaded in 180 countries. Women from all around the world are finding these episodes, and whether they're age 25 or 75, they're hearing themselves represented over and over again in these conversations. They're finally feeling less alone and less broken and redefining their view of themselves. It has truly been an incredible ride, and I'm grateful every day that my guests have trusted me with their stories and that I've been able to bring you these interviews for two years and counting. So thank you for tuning in wherever you are in your diagnosis journey, wherever you are in the world. We all have so much in common and so much to learn from each other. And I'm just so glad you found this little podcast and that together we are finally finding our people. If you'd like to celebrate this milestone with me, honestly, the best way to do that is to write me a review on Apple Podcasts or Audible. Not only do the reviews make me so happy to read them, but they really do help this podcast get noticed by other women who could really benefit from hearing themselves represented in these stories. And if writing a review feels like too much right now, you can simply go hit the five stars either on Apple or Spotify. Or you could take a screen grab of this episode and share it with a friend or a family member or your therapist, or you could share it on Instagram and tag me at women and ADHD podcast. I cannot think of a better way to commemorate this anniversary than with my next guest. So here we are at episode 114, in which I interview Trina Haynes. Trina is an ADHD advocate and founder of My Lady ADHD, a robust online community for ADHDers. She was diagnosed with ADHD as an adult in her mid-30s and immediately began working to educate the public about ADHD, and she now works daily to empower others. In addition to her popular Instagram account, Trina teaches workshops and courses and loves to speak about neurodiversity and the struggles and strengths faced by people with ADHD. She also just recently launched her podcast called My Lady ADHD, so if you love her work as much as I do, make sure to go check it out. Trina and I talk all about the healing power of laughing at ourselves and embracing the chaos of ADHD. We also talk about cycles of productivity, chronic burnout, and that compulsive need we have to do all the things right now. And we talk about the power of community building and finding ADHD friendships. Okay, without further ado, here is my interview with Trina. It's so funny because there's like people on Instagram who I've never met who I feel like I know because I am I watch all of your videos. But I also was like, I actually don't know much about who you are. So I was very fascinated. I went and was kind of listening to some of the podcast interviews you've done already and uh, was kind of piecing together some of your background. Well, now I'm worried. <laughs> You're like, what did I say? I know, right? <laughs> I never know. I never know what I say. 
So you were diagnosed in 2021 and like walk me through kind of what was going on in your life at the time where you were like, uh, it was your therapist, right? Who, who kind of first brought up ADHD for you? Like what was happening in your life that you were like, okay, this makes sense. This is ADHD. Well, I ended up in therapy because of, I was having panic attacks, which are not really related to ADHD. They were like the anxiety part of having ADHD. I had moved eight hours away from somewhere I lived for 20 years and I started a new job and I was just panicking. <laughs> I just was having panic attacks, like real ones that I'd never had before. I was really struggling at work, like in a way that I hadn't struggled before because the job that I took in the new state checked off every single box for me. It was like, okay, great pay, great schedule, great boss, great team, great, like this is the career I'm supposed to be in. Okay, perfect. I finally found the job that's like perfect for me. And yet I was like majorly struggling still. So I was like, okay, well, what is wrong with me? Like something else has to be going on here. And I've always struggled in work. So it wasn't a huge surprise, but this was one that I thought should work hypothetically. And so when I started having panic attacks, I was like, okay, I need to go to therapy and figure out what's going on. And my therapist had ADHD. So she immediately was like, girl, this is what's going on. <laughs> and I was like, at the time, I literally thought that women could not have ADHD. Like I was one of those people that was like, only boys have ADHD. There's no way that I have this. And so when she diagnosed me with ADHD, I was like, I still didn't think I had it. <laughs> I'm going to go online and try to find other women that have this because she says women have this. Maybe they do. So I went online and I started an Instagram page and it turns out that, yeah, at least 115,000 people have ADHD. <laughs> <laughs> I found a lot of other women. I had a similar experience and my therapist was diagnosed because her middle schooler was diagnosed and she was like sort of gently telling me and suggesting over the years that I look into it as one does, right? You start to look around and you're like, oh, this person definitely has it. This person definitely has it. But I always sort of thought it was, I was always kind of insulted. I was like, really? Like, cause I had such the stereotype, you know, just all these negative stereotypes around what somebody with ADHD must be like and look like. And not only just like the little boy who can't sit still, but just like, I was like, do you, is this really how you look at me? Like, do you really think I'm that much of a hot mess? I mean, she's my therapist. So yeah, of course she does. Right? Like I am, I'm not pretending I'm not a hot mess, but also just like, I was sort of like, really? Like, what is that? And and I even took an ADHD test online and was like, eh, I don't know, this doesn't really, I didn't really relate to it until I took the one specifically for women and then was like, oh, right, right. Like this is not, we're not talking about fidget spinners here. Like we're talking about like deep seated shame around behavior and focus and all of that stuff where I was like, oh, okay. That makes a lot more sense than the DSM questions which never made any sense to me, right? <laughs> yeah, and the more I learn about ADHD, the more I feel so deeply connected to it. So it's it's just this really weird evolution because I went from like the total opposite end of the spectrum where I just didn't think that women had ADHD. So now I'm like, hi, women have ADHD. Like I'm telling everyone. <laughs> I literally can't go to the gas station without being like talking about ADHD. I don't know about you, but it comes up in conversation like almost every day in my real world activities. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I oscillate between like, does everybody have ADHD to thinking, you know, all of these people have it to then also just being like, am I totally, totally misunderstanding that? Like, am I, have I confused this with something else? That's the other state of mind where I'm like, because I think all these people have it and only 5% of the population has it. Yeah. So like, what is happening here? The now, now, I always thought I had bipolar because I just sort of had that pendulum feeling all the time. And, and, but you have, you thought it was MS at some point. Yeah, so my sister has MS and she also has ADHD, which I just was like, okay, you have ADHD. I really still didn't believe that it was a thing that women had. 
But I so much aligned with what she was going through that I thought I had MS. Um, I actually went and got a brain scan. I got tested for MS. I went and sat through the tube for, you know, it was awful, actually. What I was seeing was her ADHD symptoms. I didn't think that those were really a thing. So I was seeing those symptoms and really relating to the ADHD that she had and not the MS. Um, although some symptoms do kind of align with MS somewhere sometimes, but that's another story. <laughs> so when was your sister diagnosed? Was she diagnosed in childhood? Yeah, my sister was diagnosed as a teen. And we have, there's a big age difference between us. She's my half sister. We didn't grow up together. So I didn't see it in reality. I didn't really see what she was going through until I was older. And I was like, wow, I really relate to a lot of the stuff you're going through with the forgetfulness and the, a lot of the time blindness issues that she had, the anxiety, some of those symptoms I saw myself in her. And I just assumed it was a mess. <laughs> I just thought, well, it can't be ADHD. It's got to be something else going on in my brain. But I was so convinced that there was something going on in my brain that I had talked myself into yeah, it must be MS. So much so that I went and got tested. And the neurologist actually said, you know, your symptoms actually line up a little bit more with ADHD. <laughs> so that was fun. Oh, wow. And that and that was like well before your diagnosis too? Right around the same time. Right around the same time. I was trying to figure out what was going on. You were getting it from every angle? Yeah, both every angle. My sister was like, you have ADHD. And then, of course, TikTok and Instagram, I was really relating to that content, too, a little bit. And then the therapy, all of this was around the same month or so where I was just really trying to figure out what was going on because I was having the panic attacks were like a new symptom of my anxiety that I hadn't had. And they were really scary for me because um, they were very intense. So I was just trying to find answers. Now, and you were like homeschooling at the same time, weren't you? <laughs> Did I hear that? Yeah. Yeah. For the past year, it's been, it's been wild. I've been working full time and then I've been running the ADHD community that I have online and I've been homeschooling and just trying to be a mom. Oh, you're still homeschooling. Yeah, we've been homeschooling since COVID. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay, that's a lot. Because that was like, that was one of my tip offs, like in terms of the the house of cards being blown off the table was was lockdown and having to suddenly homeschool and be and clean my own house and like be the butler and the the chef and like all of that. It was just too much for me. Luckily, my daughter is very independent and her work is very, she's older and it's not so intensive with my schedule. We manage it pretty well. And it takes all of us. I'm not the only one that helps with homeschooling. <laughs> so we, I got a village behind me. Yeah, right. Yeah. And I think that's something if, if I think about how my life has changed since my diagnosis, it's basically how can I outsource this? That's my first question when it comes to everything. Who else could I get to do this? Do less. Yeah, I think everyone with ADHD would really succeed greatly with like just a part-time virtual assistant. <laughs> right. Um, so, and now I did terribly in school, but one of the things that really surprised me when I started this podcast was how many women I was interviewing that did really well in school. And that like a lot of the ADHD and adult diagnosis is coming from that anxiety that you talked about, right? Like that, I, that perfectionism anxiety and that I can do everything drive and how that desire to do all the things that comes from ADHD then leads to this panic and anxiety of not being able to do all the things and burnout and all of that. So it was like really fascinating to me to like see that side of ADHD because that wasn't my experience growing up. My experience growing up was like, oh, Katie, she's got my parents always said she has street smart. She doesn't have book smarts. And so, <laughs> um, I bet you have both. I do have both. But, you know, it was just <laughs> it was that feeling of like uh, I was always, you know, I feel like the more women I interviewed the less the uh, common idea of what a kid with ADHD looks like sort of applies in this situation. And it's been really interesting. I just had a 504 with my high schooler who, uh, and she's does amazing in school. She's really well in school, but she has really, really bad anxiety around perfectionism and doing well in school. 
And so we had applied for a 504 for her. And I felt like I was sitting in a room with a bunch of administrators who were like, why are you wasting our time? Like, what are you doing here? She's doing well in school. She doesn't need accommodations. And I had that moment of panic where I was like, does she? Doesn't she? I don't know. <laughs> like, like asking for help is so hard. Oh, mama. Yeah, it is. So when you look back over the course of your childhood and your life, what are some of the things that jump out at you where you're like, oh, the signs were there all along? Did you do well in school or did you or were you like me doing terribly? Uh, no, no, <laughs> I struggled so, so bad in school. I barely graduated high school. My um, algebra teacher felt bad for me and she modified my F to a D so that I could graduate. <laughs> I got a lot of the I got a lot of those pity D's too, where I'm like, I didn't even come to class. Yeah, I got a pity D. I tried college. I think I lasted like a semester and a half. Um really, really struggled in school, just could not retain information. I think I have like the auditory issues where I just like you could just be talking straight to me and I'm just in my own bubble and it's just not processing. And so school was so hard for me. I really just didn't retain information and then bored, like physically hurt my body to sit for so long. Just awful, like awful. And I mean, recently I sat on a very long call and it was about three hours long and my body was hurting so badly afterwards from having to like sit still. And I was thinking, how did I get through school? Like, I don't even understand how I was able to get through school. I, I don't, it just seems like it was so difficult for me. And I, I didn't realize at the time that it wasn't super difficult for everyone. <laughs> I thought it was awful for everyone. I just didn't realize that like, that's not normal to be struggling that badly in school. Right? Or like some of those moments where it's you just have to pull from like all of your resources to do something like sit still for three hours or, you know, those moments where I'm like, why, why am I exhausted for two weeks after doing something like, <laughs> like this? Right? And like, it's I, those are things I never paid attention to until yeah, tests, I could like test taking was just awful. Like my memory, it was just so bad, even at a young age. And I didn't understand it. I didn't understand why people could take tests and they could pass and they could just retain information. And I honestly would uh, cheat sometimes in school just to get by. Like I would, I would feel like I had really no choice if I was going to graduate or pass the class. Like I was going to have to somehow pass the tests despite how many hours I stayed up using flashcards the night before, I was still felt like I'm not going to pass this. I need help. And I didn't have the wherewithal to ask for help. Like I just didn't know how to ask for help. It felt personal. It felt like I was just not trying hard enough, which was the exact opposite of what I was doing was I was trying very, very hard. Yeah, it was so hard. It really was. And it's so hard to articulate to that feeling of like staring at a test and not knowing any of the answers. And yet you like, like, I'm like, I went to every class, like I studied, I read, I wrote notes, I did everything I'm supposed to do. And then I just stare at the test. And I'm like, I have nothing. I have nothing for you. Was <laughs> Like, did I even get the wrong test? Yeah. It's one of the things that really strikes a chord with me now on my in the community when like someone from high school or college reaches out to me and they're like, help me. I'm in school and I'm struggling. I like it just gives me awful goosebumps all over where I just feel so bad for them. And I it's still a thing like people are still struggling within school with their ADHD and it's tough. I will say one of the things I love about your account and your your approach to ADHD is that like, I don't feel like you pretend that the answer is out there, right? That there's some like, there, here's five tips that it's going to help you get your shit together once and for all, right? Like, I feel like I, I kind of like rail against that mentality a lot of the time where it's like, somehow we're going to figure out how to beat this ADHD, right? Like that this is something that you need to like whip into shape. And I mean, look, there's lots of things that work timers or reminder, like there's stuff that helps. But at the end of the day, like, I feel like it's I really like your kind of honest approach, which is like, this is life. And there's no magical solution. And 
If there was a magical solution, believe me, we would have found it because we researched this stuff like relentlessly. I think it's because I haven't found the solutions. I'm just like, this is this is what it is. Like, this is the reality. There are a few tools and tips that you can use, but this is something that you're going to have to either figure out how to work with or you're going to work against it your whole life. Right? Yeah. I sort of, I I take that approach too, which is like, how much time am I going to spend beating myself up because I can't do X instead of embracing the fact that maybe I can't do X, but look at me doing Y, Z and everything else. And like, I mean, look at you with the podcast. Like you can do things like you can stick to things for a long period of time. You can build things and grow things. It's just, you have to be interested in it. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I feel like we've been kind of trained to not do things we're interested in. We've been trained to like follow the public school system and follow, stay in line and do those things. But some of us are just not built that way. And we're supposed to be doing things that interest us. (laughs) I mean, it's like a crazy concept, but that's, that's how our brains work. Yeah. I know, right? And it's funny because you had said on one of the podcast interviews that I listened to, you were you're talking about like um, how you feel selfish for when people, or you f- it feels weird when people thank you for putting this stuff out there because you're like, I'm doing this for myself. Like it benefits me to learn this and to va- feel validated. And I was like, I related to that because I feel the same way with the podcast where I'm like, the reason why I do this podcast was purely for selfish reasons. It was like, I want to have conversations with other women about ADHD because it's fascinating to me. And until it stops becoming fascinating to me, I'm going to keep doing it. But also just being like, you're welcome. <laughs> like it always. Just- yeah, I mean, I'm just trying to figure out how to like make this fun and funny instead of just being sad and having panic attacks about it. Like I have to find another way. And if it's through Instagram, through connecting with other people, yeah, it's totally selfish. It's just me trying to manage this whole thing with a community of people. And it's awesome. It really is. It's very helpful for me. And if it helps a couple of other people along the way, that's great, but it's super selfish. (laughs) Well, and I still feel like at the end of the day that the, the number, if I could think of like the number one thing other than maybe my Apple watch, but that's another story. But like, if there's like one thing that is like the, the best way to treat my ADHD, it's having a sense of humor. The community too. And being funny with other people is like the number one thing I would recommend, honestly, is finding other people to laugh about it with. Cause that's what else are we going to (laughs) do? It's the only way I know how is to just laugh about it and with other people who are going through it. That's the only like real solution that I have to get through a tough day with my ADHD. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think there's more there too, right? Just in terms of like that acceptance, right? And the having that grace and realizing that like every side, this every coin has two sides. So for everything that I can't do, there's something I can do and sort of trying to remind myself of that and understanding like why I'm not doing certain things. It's not because I'm a terrible human being or I'm worthless. Like it's because of this weird brain that I was given. Yeah. Yeah. So true. I'd like to take a moment to thank BetterHelp for sponsoring this podcast. If you're a regular listener of this podcast, you know I am a big proponent of therapy. Therapy provides me the best opportunity for verbal processing, something that is so important for my kind of brain and my sense of self. What I love about BetterHelp is that it's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional therapy that's done securely online from the comfort of your home. They assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. And it's available for clients worldwide. So you get access to a broad range of expertise that might not be available to you locally. It also tends to be more affordable than traditional offline therapy and financial aid is available. If you visit their website and read their testimonials, there are actually quite a few reviews that specifically reference help with ADHD. As a special offer for listeners of the Women and ADHD podcast, you'll get 10% off your first month. Simply sign up at betterhelp.com slash women ADHD. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash women ADHD. And there's a link in the show notes. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Any other parents out there who have struggled to instill good financial habits into their kids? I know I have. 
And that's why I'm so excited to tell you about the sponsor of today's episode, Go Henry by Acorns, the smart debit card and app for kids 6 through 18. With Go Henry, kids can learn about money, set spending and saving goals, and even track chores and earn allowance money right within the app. They learn the value of money by using their Go Henry debit cards, while we as parents can set spend limits and help guide their journey while staying informed every step of the way. It gives me so much peace of mind to know that I'm using a smart tool to proactively teach my kids about money and prepare them for future success. Set your kids up for success and get started today at gohenry.com slash women ADHD. Again, that's gohenry.com slash women ADHD. TNCs apply, renews from $4.99 per month unless canceled. Are there things that you feel like since your diagnosis, how has your life changed? Like, are there things that you kind of, that do work for you in terms of the way you live your life or how you structure your day? Yeah. I mean, the, since getting diagnosed, I've grown a community online and my life has changed drastically. Before I got diagnosed, I didn't have the community. I was beating myself up for the ADHD traits. And now I have like radical self-acceptance. I am, I left my corporate job. I'm just doing ADHD advocacy. I have leaned into my strengths and not focusing so much on the hard stuff and really leaning into what I'm good at. And uh, yeah, it's changed my life drastically. I have not had a panic attack in a while. I still have really bad anxiety sometimes and I'm a perfectionist sometimes. But um, yeah, my life has changed really drastically since I got diagnosed, since I started connecting with other people who have ADHD. Now I spend my time teaching people about ADHD. I'm hosting workshops and courses and it's so different and in such a good way. How has your family reacted to this diagnosis? Because you said you know, like your sister or your half sister or even just your people who are close to you who might have been like, oh, yeah. Yeah. So super interesting. My mom got diagnosed shortly after I did. <laughs> So she saw my videos and was like, wait a second, I kind of relate to these. Um, and so she got diagnosed shortly after uh, my sister was like, see, I told you, uh, which, of course, I hated. But um, yeah, family's been really accepting. And my husband and my daughter are like, yeah, this is obvious. Like, <laughs> this makes total sense now. I mean, they just laugh. We just laugh about things when I'm forgetful and I have a really supportive family that's just so nice to me. So it's it's nice. I've, I feel like I have a really nice village of support behind me all the time. Not everybody has that. No, I know. I feel like I love hearing that, especially from, from a parent, right? Because I feel like I hear so many of the opposite stories of, of parents who are like, what are you talking about? Every, you know, and just immediately dismissing it or everybody's like that. Our family, you know. Well, my mom did start there. She's, <laughs> you know, everybody has that. Everybody does that. It's it's your phone. Your phone is distracting, like a lot of those things. But then she started watching the videos a little more, a little more closely. And she was like, wait a second. <laughs> I actually relate to this. And she went and got tested and diagnosed. So, But I do think people do think that. And sometimes when they think, wow, everybody has that. Sometimes they actually have ADHD is what I've found that like, if you're relating to the content at all, you may want to look into it. That's all I have to say. <laughs> I know. I know. That's always my reaction when people are like, don't be ridiculous. Everybody's like this. And I'm like, guess what? <laughs> Not everybody's relating to this content. Like really, a lot of people just scroll on past that content. But if you're stopping and you're like, wait, that one, that one sounds familiar. And so does that one. And so does that one. <laughs> I know. I saw that. Uh, I saw a tweet recently, like it, it was in relation to autism, but it was on the same idea, which is like, not a lot of people who aren't autistic spend a lot of time wondering if they're autistic. <laughs> yeah. If you're like, oh, this is all making sense to me. That's pretty much, that's your diagnosis right there. A little bit of a red flag for me when somebody says something like that. What are some crazy things that have happened with this, with the Instagram account? Uh, like, cause I, I, sometimes I see people who make content on like all the haters that they get on Instagram. And I don't know if it's, I was just really good at like putting boundaries up immediately, but I don't, I've never gotten too much of that. 
I don't get them. No, I don't. I maybe five or ten times have I had negative stuff happen on. It's like so rare that it doesn't really phase me any of the negative stuff at all. I think it's just the AD, it's like a testament to how amazing ADHD people are that I've had very little negative comments or negative messaging in 112,000 people that follow me. It's so rare that I see like negative stuff. So I think that's just the nature of ADHDers. We're just not like that. <laughs> right. Well, I will. I mean, I, I feel that way sometimes about podcast reviews. Like I will get lots of really lovely reviews and they're great and I'm so appreciative of them. And then I will get one five star review from somebody who can't even spell and I, I will like obsess. <laughs> I will obsess over it. And I'm like, oh, right. ADHD does that. Right. And so I, I feel like it's easier for me to kind of immediately snap out of that because I'm able to kind of say, oh, right. Hey, this is what ADHD is like. Right. RSD. Ha ha. I think what I've done is just like if somebody has something that kind of stings me in an icky way, like if somebody says something kind of stingy, I typically will just block it and move on. Like I don't dwell on it. I'm not going to like, oh, what did they mean by that? I'm not going to argue with them on online. I'm just like, I have so much stuff to do. I don't have time for this negative stuff. And I usually will just block and move on. But every now and again, if there's like a really funny comment or funny message, I have like a little community of people where we'll just like share like the nonsense with one another and just laugh about it. And it's just a community of ADHD people that really have each other's backs. And that's, that's why it's so great. Yeah, the, I feel like the hardest thing for me is when people reach out who are who really want, who are in pain and like really want a lot of personal feedback and I can't give that. And I never know what is the right response to shut that down or what that, you know, to just be like, look, I'm sorry, I can't. I don't either. If you figure that out, let me know. Cause I still, I get some of those too, where it's like, I know this person probably needs therapy or probably needs coaching, but like not everybody can afford therapy or coaching. So they're just trying to extend like trying to ask for help in whatever way they know how. And yeah, I do get a lot of like very personal stories of people who are struggling with ADHD and that's really tough, but I relate to it because I have been through some crazy stuff with my ADHD. So I get it. Yeah. I think just remembering that like I'm doing all of this free content over and over and over again to help people. Like I feel like that is all I can do in this moment. Sounds like you have good boundaries then. That's good. I don't know. I guess. I don't know. Sometimes I feel like, like I was going to ask you, like, how do you deal with this idea of wanting to do everything all at once? Because that's something I struggle with a lot, which is like, I can, I'm going to, you know, every week I'm like, let's start a new business. Let's start this. Let's do that. Oh, accidentally made merch, right? I do those things. I don't know if there's, I don't know if there's a solution except to just get it out of my system and do it. Uh, I am in perpetual burnout. That's the only way I can describe it. I do try to do all the things and I usually burn out and then my body gives up on me and I get sick for a week and I'm on my couch for a week. So <laughs> it's just a cycle I've been through. I don't really know any different. I've been that way since as long as I can remember. I think the cycle part is key, right? Like I, I found, I just went through like a super hypermanic episode throughout, uh, throughout most of September. And then I got COVID and it just felt like somebody like smacked me across the face with a fish. And I just like, I had to, I was burnt out. I had to relax, but I was so freaking bored. And it was really meta to go through this, like to go through these cycles now, a post-diagnosis where I was like, oh my God, I'm so bored. And boredom is so unhealthy for my brain because I start to like spiral. And I start to like spiral into self doubt. And so I'm like, must keep busy, must keep busy. Mm, yeah. And I was like, like the, the desire for stimulation is so real and so intense sometimes that burnout, like that's the other thing it's really difficult to articulate, right? Like relaxation and is not restorative. It's, it's often very painful. Yeah. No, I, I also, I have a very difficult time relaxing and just, even when I'm relaxing, my brain is just bloop, 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 like, I'm planning my next business. I'm planning travel. I'm planning something. And yeah, I don't know how to prevent that. I'm still learning. I tend to embrace it or t 
talk through my ideas with someone else so that they can be like, hey, that's not reasonable. (laughs) You have enough going on. And like I said, I have like a really good village behind me. And oftentimes my mom or my sister or my husband will pull me aside and be like, hey, you're doing too much. Let's prioritize together. Like, what are the things that matter the most to you? What can you let go of? Um, They really help pull me back down to reality sometimes if I think I'm going to, like, start another business. (laughs) Uh, Those are are really good questions, too. I think I had hired a business coach very early in this journey, and I, I still keep her advice close to my chest, which is like, just do one thing right now. Like just do one thing (laughs) and, and other things can wait. And I feel like that's the hardest thing, which is like wanting to do all the things now Yeah, is, is always going to be something I struggle with, which is like, I, if I have an idea, I have to immediately act on it. It's really hard to let's table that. I'm trying to get better at like notes and like keeping those ideas all in one place and then like coming back to them later. But do you come back to them? Because that's my problem is that often I don't. Do right now with ADHD things, like I do have a very good little note system for all of my ADHD ideas, but that doesn't mean I don't have other ideas like opening a floral shop or whatever. You know, I'm constantly coming up with ideas um, unrelated to ADHD. (laughs) But I've had to say, okay, what's the most important thing to me right now? Well, my ADHD community and building what I have with my lady ADHD is the most important. And anything else is just, I can't do it right now. If it's not ADHD related, if it's not part of ADHD, then I need to put it away. And I've been really good about that. Hmm. I like that. Like just really recognizing what is my interest, what my interest-based brain is in the driver's seat right now. So (laughs) let's, let's ride it. Yeah, exactly. I'm just going to capitalize on what I have going now because I'm still interested in it and it's, it's working and it helps other people, which is important to me. Um, So yeah, it is the main focus and some of the other little random ideas I get, I still will like dabble in them. I'll stick my toe in the water and then I'm like, no, 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 I don't have time for this. I got to go back to my ADHD stuff. So yeah, it's a struggle. I'm definitely an entrepreneur spirit. So I do want to start new big things all the time and I have to rein it in a little bit. Uh, yes, I, I feel you. I am. I, I made the rash decision to go back to grad school because I was like, I know. Oh no. Well, not only because I'm kind of used to always think of myself as this terrible student who wanted to go be as far away from academia as possible. And then through my diagnosis, I was like, Oh, you know, actually I probably can do this. But also I have so many women who are looking for ADHD therapists and, I'm like, it's so important to have therapists who understand what ADHD looks like in adult women. And there's just such a dearth of therapists. I was like, you know what? Just give me like a year. I'm going to, I'm going to go back to school and become a therapist. (laughs) So I was like, yeah, I'm going to go back to school and become a therapist. And it's not something you can do in like one year. So I'm really kind of juggling right now, which is like, I really, really want to do this thing and go back to school, but I also don't want it to interfere with my business. And so I'm like, how can I juggle all of this? Well, I've been in the same predicament because I keep thinking about ADHD coaching. I've had people ask me if I'm coaching. I've had people tell me that I would be a great coach. And after so many people telling you that, you're like, well, maybe I should look into this coaching thing. So I started to look into it and I looked into the time and, you know, the investment of my time. And I just, I just can't right now. So I may end up going back to it later, but it's just, I'm really just can't, I would definitely be in burnout if I added that to my calendar right now. Well, I will say you are doing the research in your own way too, which is like, I try to remind myself that like ADHD coaching programs are out there to teach you the same information you're already learning. So so that's all. I'm just going to put that out there. I've learned so much. But that's what I mean. You, We all learn and research in our own ways. And I'm glad that these places exist. And obviously, I'm not saying like, don't just decide you're going to become a brain surgeon and be like, well, I did my own medical school, thanks to Google. But I do think that like, uh, when it comes to ADHD, especially I think most people care about who they're talking to and how they feel with that person than they do about like, oh, what 
school did you get certified at? Yeah. And I started doing like workshops and courses, which feel very, they have that same vibe as like maybe what a coach is providing where I'm just, I'm connecting with other ADHDers and we're talking about our struggles and what we can do to help. And it feels like I'm doing coaching, but just in a different format. So I do, I do understand what you're saying. Like I've feel like I can coach in some way without going through the, to me, which would be torture because I just explained how school was for me growing up, which was (laughs) awful. So if I went and tried to become a coach and had to go through education for that, it would probably kill me because I just don't know if I can handle that kind of schooling again. Um, Even if I'm super interested in it, I still think it would be very difficult for me. So, um, yeah, I feel like I kind of am doing coaching in some way. Well, like you said, you're like you're a community builder and there's like other ways to kind of approach what your strengths are and what you and it's you're doing. You've been doing workshops with Jesse J. Anderson, right? Who also is he coach? I mean, he's. He's not a coach, but he's brilliant. I feel like, but he's also like building, right? Like he's also doing all of this stuff. He's building a community. And I think there's so many ways to. He's writing help. a book. Yes, I know. Right. Yeah. He's always asking on Twitter. <laughs> he's, I mean, he is the brains of the operation when we do courses and things. And I think I'm more of the community connecting person, like people person not to say that he's not, but he brings the knowledge and the brains and he's so smart. It's been wonderful working with him. I think we actually make a really great team. So you've done, you did, I know you just recently did a workshop on work. What's, what do you guys have on the pike? Yeah. So I helped him with a workshop about two or three months ago. I just jumped on and did a little spiel about time blindness and it was fabulous. I left the workshop and my whole body was on fire. I was like, this is amazing. I loved it. And so I, I later after right afterwards, I said, Jesse, we have to do this. Like we have to do this together. So, um, we did, we decided we were going to do a workshop on how to work with your ADHD in the workplace, because work is one of the things that has been my biggest struggle, uh, with ADHD. I've really struggled with my career and, um, I just wanted to help other ADHDers who are struggling in that way. So we did a two-day workshop. It was three hours a day. I think it was more like a course. And I don't know why we did three hours a day for people with ADHD, but it was amazing. We loved it. Um, So we're doing it again. We're going to do probably the same course, maybe a little slight tweaking, and we're going to do it probably in January and February. And um, hopefully it's something that we continue to do because we just both really love it. Another content creator, um, ADHD Ron, I don't know if you know him, but um, he and I are going to do a workshop on parenting with ADHD. And then I have another friend of mine who we're going to do one on relationships and ADHD. So got a lot in the pipeline coming up. Ah, uh, yeah, I realized I said on the pike, which makes no sense. What is it down the pike? Uh- <laughs> on the pike. I don't know. I have a tendency to do that. I like jumble up two different idioms. And I-, <laughs> I do that too. Right. Well, and I, I feel like I've learned uh, through this podcast, right? Which is, I didn't realize it when I started, but I've learned th- over the course of doing this, that like the most powerful way to manage or treat or whatever word you want to use when it comes to ADHD, understand it is to be in conversation and to kind of have these moments, right? Where you're like sharing our experiences and then you like extrapolate from each other's experiences of how you can like manage something else in your life. Right. And it's like so much of this depends on that holding space for this kind of stuff, right? Where I'm like, no wonder we were all those people at parties who like were in the back of the room talking about the time-space continuum while everybody else was dancing, right? Every time. Right? I'm like, we were like totally like, that's the ADHD people are the ones who are like in the back of the room or down in the basement who got trapped by somebody and you're talking for like hours and hours and hours about some hyper-focus. Yeah, we love talking. We just love (laughs) it. We do. Yeah, the group classes have been really fun. Um, Everyone's takeaway is that they love the breakout sessions. They love any time that we're all communicating together is what they love the most. Like they like the content, they're cool with it, but they really like the community feel of it. And so I've just been trying to find ways to foster that and to 
to spark conversation with between ADHDers, um, something that Instagram is not great at. So it's been tricky to try to find a platform that does allow for that kind of back and forth, which right now a lot of people are using Discord or Slack or Facebook for some of that because like Instagram and TikTok aren't really providing that kind of group chat that we need. Yeah, I know, right? I find that with when I, I host a book club and I've done it three times now and it's the same where I'm like, it's so it's so rewarding when I have women talking to each other where this is clearly the first time they've had conversations with other women about ADHD in their life. And it's just like to see how healing and like how nourishing it is for them to have these conversations and be able to facilitate that is so great. But then they're also sort of like, can we keep doing this? And I'm like, Oh yeah, no. W- women with ADHD, it's like herding cats. We're not. We're, this is. <laughs> like- yeah, I know. I felt so bad when we ended our workshop. It was actually last weekend. A couple of people messaged us and were like, "Same time tomorrow. Like, can we do this again?" And I was like, "I'm sorry, we can't." But so Jesse and I are probably going to be extending our workshop to be more of like a six or eight week program where we can do a lot more community building and stuff. So um, I'm so ready for that. I think that's what that was kind of missing from the last one we did. So right. It's just sort of like a more formal, like way to make friends as adult. Like, I think that's what it is. Really, it's about connection and finding ways to connect to people in like meaningful ways that you might not do at home or in your community and stuff. Well, and ADHDers tend to struggle with friendships anyways. Um, so, but that's probably because we haven't been trying to make friends with each other. <laughs> We've been trying to make friends with neurotypical people that may not understand why we want to sit in the back of the room and talk about stars and stuff. <laughs> um, I know, right? Yeah. Or our horoscopes or whatever. We just, we are into like deep conversations. So wait, so would you consider yourself an extrovert or an introvert? Because I feel like that's like the ultimate question. Extrovert. Oh, really? Yeah, I do. Yeah. I don't have very many introverted traits at all. I think anyone who knows me deeply would say I was an extrovert completely. That's incredible. I'm glad you have such like a resolve about that because I always feel like I'm like, I feel like I'm an extrovert a lot of the time, but then I also will go to the grocery store two towns over so I don't have to run into anybody I know. Like, no, what's that about? I've always been a people person. I mean, as long as I can remember, I remember like my family kind of joking about it that like, oh, no one wants to go ask that guy something. Hey, Trina, go ask that stranger over there. <laughs> and they would just send me off to like talk to strangers. And that's like what I've kind of been known for, which is hilarious that I now have an Instagram page where I like talk to strangers all day because it is what I've been doing my whole life. Like I, my daughter will be at McDonald's drive through or whatever. And she'll like nudge me and be like, don't, don't talk to them. Like, don't ask the cashier something weird. Like I'm constantly talking to strangers and it's mortifying to my 13 year old. <laughs> well, I, 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 you were talking about how like you always sort of felt like the, your perfect job never fit, right? Like it wasn't out there. And you were sort of like, that's because how could I have in a million years have imagined Instagram influencer, right? Like that concept didn't even exist. And yet here, you're just sort of like, Oh, my God, all the all the boxes are checked. All the all of the jobs that I had leading up to this all fit this job that I'm doing now. And I have had I told you my career has been just the one of the most stressful parts of my life has been trying to figure out my jobs. And I've changed jobs every three months, every six months, every year. And I am never satisfied. I always felt like this is just not fulfilling. This is not what I'm supposed to be doing. And I would get in a role and I would say, this is going to be the one. And then like a week later, I'd be like, no, this isn't it. Like, this is not the thing. And I don't want to stay here one minute longer knowing that it's not the thing. So I would leave and I would go and I would leave. And it was so stressful because like explaining that to people, I mean, you just sound like a weirdo and then you're trying to write your resume and it's just this jumbled disaster. And I am very smart, capable being that could handle all of the work. It wasn't that I couldn't do the work. It's just, I felt like it was wrong, that it wasn't the right work. And now I have found the right work and it's like 
I told I knew it was there all along. <laughs> I just couldn't put this in Indeed. I wasn't going to go to Indeed and type in ADHD advocate. That was not a job title. That wasn't a thing. So how could I have found it any other way? I had to find it this way. So it's just like, it's very weird. It's serendipitous, I guess. It's just the coolest thing to now finally be where I thought I needed to be for like 20 something years. Right. Yeah. That's one of my favorite things to do with people with ADHD is like to trace back all the different jobs they've had that have led them to this one perfect job where it's like, oh yeah, I was an elementary school teacher and I was also, you know, sang at amusement parks. And I also like all of these things and like, I, you know, and I like was an illustrator and like all of these things that like make perfect sense. (laughs) Yeah. uh, It's crazy. If you, if you looked at my job history, you would be like, oh, well that makes total sense. And that's, Some of them don't make sense. I mean, some of those jobs don't fit into the agenda, but I just like to try lots of different things, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) When I was diagnosed with ADHD, it completely turned my world upside down. I looked back at so much of my life, my grades in school, my multiple careers and hobbies, my friendships, my marriage, motherhood, my relationship with food and my body, like all of this with a new lens. And it was overwhelming to say the least. If you've been diagnosed with ADHD and you're feeling blown away by this new insight into your brain and how it operates, I totally understand. I can help you begin to sort through this chaos, explore who you are and how your brain operates so you can finally start to lean into your strengths and begin to use them to your advantage moving forward. Together, we can work to identify what obstacles you've been facing and create strategies to help you start living a more fulfilling, gratifying life. Head over to womeninadhd.com coaching to book a 30-minute initial consult with me so we can figure out if my brand of one-on-one coaching is right for you. Again, that's womeninadhd.com coaching, and you can find that link in the episode show notes. Hey friend, if there's one thing I've learned about ADHD over the last few years is that we can thrive with the right combination of accountability, planning, coaching, and peer support. Knowing all this, I set out to create the ultimate all-in-one coaching and accountability community for adults with ADHD or learning disabilities. I knew I couldn't do it alone, so I joined forces with one of my favorite ADHD coaches, Alex Gilbert of Capable Consulting, and together we launched the ADHD Lounge. The lounge was created as a safe place for neurodivergent adults away from other social media, where we offer live group calls, co-working and body doubling every weekday for accountability, focus, and skill development. We have weekly and monthly goal planning sessions to keep yourself on track. We also have one-on-one office hours with myself and Alex, and of course, friendship and lots of peer support. We have three different membership levels to meet you where you're at. So if you're looking for an affordable way to stay connected, productive, and accountable, while also having regular access to ADHD coaching and expertise, then make sure to come join me in the ADHDlounge.com. Again, that's the ADHDlounge.com. And as a listener of the Women in ADHD podcast, you can get 30% off your first month with the code PODCAST30. So head to the ADHDlounge.com and use the code PODCAST30 to get 30% off your first month. During the early days of my diagnosis, as I was deep into hyper-focus ADHD research mode, I kept searching for some kind of all-in-one, everything you ever needed to know about ADHD and women handbook that I could reference and keep at my fingertips, but I never really found anything that suited me. That's why I've taken everything I've learned about ADHD in women and adults who are socialized as girls, and I've gathered it into a concise, easy-to-access, self-guided, and self-paced course so you can feel like you've got everything you need at your fingertips. It's called, Hey, it's ADHD, and it has everything you need to start loving your brain and living a more fulfilling, gratifying life. I built this course to be helpful wherever you are on your ADHD journey. I am so excited to finally be able to offer this course, and I truly hope this will help you develop a deeper understanding of your ADHD brain and how to embrace it as you build yourself a toolkit for your own life. So head over to womenandadhd.com and click on the Hey, It's ADHD course tab for more information and to get started. So we've kind of like skirted around this, but is there something in terms of what you love most about your ADHD? What, what, how would you answer that question? I, I feel like I am such a super creative person. I don't think that like a neurotypical brain thinks the way that I do. And I'd say my creativity and my big picture thinking is like an asset 
to me. It's something that's carried me through life. And um, yeah, my creativity, I think, is probably my favorite. And of course, the hyper focus is awesome sometimes, but it's hard for me to like, sometimes that's a bad thing. (laughs) Sometimes I can hyper focus on the wrong things, but I'd say more my creativity. And I've always attributed my empathetic nature, my intuitive, empathetic people, like I'm a people person. I just, I always have attributed that to something like ADHD. I always thought that there was a reason that I was like, in tune with the world around me in a different way. And I do think that's ADHD. Well, Eva, you had this like lovely reel recently where you had asked that question, right? You had asked that of people of your followers, like, what do you love about your ADHD? And you put together this lovely reel. And so it was sort of like this finished product, right? Of like, this is what community building looks like. And it was very emotional. I got the What's the the frisson, the the body tingles? Well, there was one before that. There were people had given kind of their negative thoughts on ADHD. And that one really stung. And and I was like, wow, these are painful, but they're true. But I don't want to just show people that it's all negative. So I did that video kind of in response to the more negative one that I had posted earlier. And I'm glad to say that the positive one got a lot of good feedback as well. But the one where we talk about how hard it is, that one really impacted a lot of people too. Mm, That's interesting. Because, you know, it's one thing I I never know what to do with when I get people who ask me, like, you only have women who are doing well on your podcast who are succeeding and are happy, like, you should have more women who are really hurting and really struggling. And I never know how to reply to that. Because I'm like, I feel like we are all of the things at once, right? Like, I I don't think I've met a woman who wasn't phenomenal. Um, and if we talk about what she's phenomenal in, then she's she's phenomenal, right? But we also talk about all of the, the pain, you know, and, and like... <laughs> oh, we can talk about the pain. If you need someone to be real about how hard it's been, we can go there. I don't know how much time you have, but we can definitely go there. And I'll tell you that it's not all sunshine and roses, Right. Well, I, I know. And I'm like, I feel like I pour my heart out in this in, in a way that I don't have any control over. It's not like I go out of my way. I just like verbal diarrhea. But like, it's all me. You know, I just feel like we often talk about how there's a lot of crazy and chaos and struggle. And that's what like all of this is, right? Like, it's it's all of these things together. That's the thing is people with ADHD, we understand the struggle. Like we know that everybody with ADHD is struggling. And that is the dialogue out there in the news. They're talking about all the negative symptoms with ADHD. And we've heard that since we were born, how difficult we are for having ADHD. That it's a podcast like yours where we're talking about some of the other sides of ADHD, that's the part that needs to be heard, that it's not all negative all the time, that there are positive parts of having ADHD if you can find them. I think it's important to talk about those things too, instead of just the negative dialogue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm right. I, I, I'm like, it's very complicated. It's very nuanced. That's what I always say. I'm like, look, there's, it's, a, it's not a superpower. It's nuanced. But also I think that like the key for me to embracing the positive has been to accept the negative, if that makes sense. Right. And like coming back to that idea of like, they are, they, they must coexist. I'm not going to spend any more time trying to hack anything or, you know, (laughs) trying to feel like I can beat this. Right. (laughs) And they have to coexist for me. If there's a hack out there, I guarantee we've tried it. Right. Exactly. Like, I'm like, look, somebody with ADHD would have found it already and was probably making millions of dollars off of it. And (laughs) Because one thing we're really good at is hyperfocus research. So if it's out there, somebody would have found it. Yes, yes, one hundred percent. Now, um, okay. So my my favorite question to ask everybody is if you could rename ADHD to something that's less ridiculous, would you call it something else? You know, yes. Um, but I feel really bad about this because I saw that question like right before we jumped on here because I have ADHD and I didn't do my homework in time. <laughs> so I've been sitting here like while we're talking, like, what am I going to say when we get to that question? But the only thing that comes to my mind is I really feel like 
ADHDers are like the explorers. I feel like we're not meant to sit in a cubicle. Like we are meant to like get out and have big ideas and create things. And we are the creators in the world. And I think of us as creators and explorers and innovators and entrepreneurs. And I just think if we looked at ADHD through that lens more often, you would really see our strengths in a different way. And so I don't know, like a lot of people say, you know, ADHD is poorly named, um, but I don't have like a scientific name for it. I just think of us more as innovators and explorers and creative. And I wish it was like talked more about those things and less about hyperactivity, which is like, I don't relate to that at all. So, or the attention deficit, like I don't relate to that either. So um, yeah, I wish I had a better answer, but that's kind of where my heart wants to go. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's good. I don't have an answer either. Are you kidding me? That's why I ask everybody else. Cause I'm like, what would, what would you call it? Right? Like there's so, it's so many things. What do other people say though? Well, my, I'm always fascinated by the, is it a disorder or isn't it right? Because it's like, on the one hand, I don't think it's a disorder at all, but it is, it needs to be taken seriously in a classroom environment. Like, you know, it, it becomes a disorder when you're forced into these inhospitable environments, like sitting at a desk in a nine to five job or sitting in a classroom. So like all of these ways in which we're kind of forced into being in a miserable situation, then it becomes a disorder. And so it should be taken seriously and there should be accommodations. And, you know, it's, it's, it's necessary to pathologize it for medication. But the accommodation should be to not make people sit in a place like that. Like, (laughs) right, exactly. It's not like, how can I, how can you force me to sit here longer? Like, that's not an accommodation. That's, that's not helping anything. So, yeah, that's why. And if you look at it through the lens of like an explorer and a creative person, innovator, of course, they don't want they're going to struggle sitting in a cubicle like we're not cut out for that. We're just not. So that's the fascinating part of it for me. It was just like how, you know, what is our responsibility as an individual to to be an entrepreneur? Because I have, you know, I talked to lots of women who are miserable in their jobs. I was miserable in my jobs. I had miserable bosses. I was always quitting, like you said, like I just like always needed to move and do other things. But I also feel like my advice cannot be just quit because that's super complicated. Don't you know, not not a lot of people are in the in the position to just quit their job. And so Uh, You know, I feel like there are ways in which we have to kind of talk about like, what are ways in which society can help you, right? It shouldn't always have to be up to you to fix this. Well, I think what I've been really trying lately and what we talk about in our workshops is really, really intimately looking at your strengths and aligning those strengths with your work in, in a way that you maybe haven't thought of before. And just really getting to know yourself very well and like what things are torturing you at work, like what things are torturing you. And do you have to have a job where you're doing those things? Like, can you find a job where you don't have to do those things? Well, and the other thing is, can you go to your boss and and say, I need more, right? I need something else. And like, I think we often worry that that's going to make us look like we're bad employees because we're going to get, and we're going to get in trouble because we're unhappy. But I think like the root of that request at the root of that request is a desire to do well, right? A desire to be a good employee. And so like, how can you phrase that and think about that and approach that in a way where you're like, I actually want to be engaged. I want to be stimulated. I want to do a good job. But so often we worry that we're going to come across as being unhappy and lazy and, and you know, what all the ways in which this seeking stimulation is going to be perceived as being a poor, you know, being a bad worker, which is ridiculous. No, I know for anyone out there that is struggling with that in the workplace where you just don't know how to have that conversation with your boss, I would definitely start with like, these are my strengths and like lay them out. I am really good at this, 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 and this. If you want me to continue to do those things well, I'm going to have to take off this, this, and this. Like, really take a look at what you're doing really well at work and just try to do more of those things and see if you can, I don't want to say pawn off the other things, but 
lean away from the things that are basically killing you because it's you're not going to be able to stay at that job unless you do that. It's just it's going to be very difficult to stay there if you're trying to just continually do work that's like torture. Who wants to do that? (laughs) (laughs) That's I have a very like matter of fact opinion about it because I've been through I've had 28 different job titles in my life and that's not counting motherhood. I guess 29. I've been a mom. Um, but I've learned a lot from working with all those companies. And what I've learned is to like advocate for your advocate for yourself, look at your strengths, look at your weaknesses and mold something. And if you can't find the job that like can help you with that, you may have to create your own job. You may have to be an entrepreneur. Yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) That's just how I feel about it. I'm always like, that comes with a whole other like can of worms. But, I don't yeah. know. It's, that's my that's my personal opinion on it. I just feel very passionately about it because I've just walked the walk. Yeah. My advice is always like, what can you do to evaluate what's happening as though it's a system that sort of needs to be fixed as opposed to thinking you are the problem? I think we always kind of tend to go into that. Uh, what's wrong with me? I am the problem. And it's it's so helpful to be like, no, I'm good. I'm smart. I'm capable. Why is this? You know, I'm very good at many things. So if I'm not good at this, what's what's broken down, you know, in the system? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think ADHDers have a hard time just seeing their strengths. Yeah, right. I know. Why would we? It's boring. It's way more interesting to think about what we're bad at. <laughs> so you're doing a workshop. What else? Uh, I know people can find you and obviously they, if, if there's like one person on who's listening to this podcast, who's not already following you, I'll have you a link to your Instagram account. Um, but like, how can people work? I guess, how can people get more of you? <laughs> That's what I want to say. Um, they can follow you on Instagram and you and Jesse are doing more workshops. You said, or you're doing a bunch of workshops, right? Yes. I'll be hosting. So how do, are you, is that all at your website? Yes myladyadhd.com it's very hard to say quickly but you can try (laughs) but yeah myladyadhd.com is where you can find courses workshops a lot of the courses and workshops will be launched in january and february next year taking it easy the rest of the year awesome well thank you so much i was so excited to hear a little bit more about you and hear more about your your personal journey so thank you for sitting down with me trina And there you have it. Thank you for listening. And I really hope you enjoyed this episode of the Women and ADHD podcast. Also, you know, we ADHDers crave feedback, and I would really appreciate hearing from you, the listener. If you're a fan of the podcast, please take a moment to leave me a review on Apple Podcasts or Audible. And if that feels like too much, and I get it, then just take a few seconds right now to give me a five-star rating. Or share this episode on your own social media to help reach more women who maybe have yet to discover and lean into this gift of neurodivergency. And they may still be struggling and don't even know why. And if you'd like to find out more about me and my one-on-one coaching for women with ADHD, head over to womenandadhd.com coaching. And you can always find that link in the show notes. I'll see you next week when I interview another amazing woman who discovered that she is not lazy or crazy or broken, but she has ADHD and she is now on the path to understanding her neurodiversity and finally using this gift to her advantage. Take care till then.